0: Politics, sports, sports, movies. You are listening to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Twitter. check out Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast at Bend, bend Your Ear pod. pod. Instagram at Bend Your Ear pod. www.letmebendyourear.com. Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank and I am the host of the show and happy you can join and listen. If you listened to previous episodes, thank you for coming back. If this is the first time you're listening, welcome, and I hope you will enjoy the show and continue to be a listener. This podcast discusses three topics, movies, sports, and politics. Each episode will be dedicated to one of these topics. Today's show will center on movies. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, And Castbox under Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. Please subscribe to the show on any one of these podcast apps so you can receive new episodes direct to your device when they become available. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. This is a very important and simple way you can help the show reach a wider audience. You can also always get the show from our website, www.letmebendyourear.com. Welcome to Movies in Space Part Three. In this episode, I'm going to review the 1995 Ron Howard film, Apollo 13. I hope you were able to listen to the first two parts of this series of Movies in Space, where I reviewed the 1983 Philip Kaufman film, The Right Stuff, and the 2018 Damien Chazelle film, First Man. I'm going to mention again, as I have in the previous two episodes of this series, If you're at all interested in watching the movies based on the chronological order of the actual space program, then I would recommend you watch The Right Stuff First, which chronicles the original Mercury 7 astronauts, then follow that up with First Man, which chronicles Neil Armstrong's story through his being chosen into the Gemini program, and of course Gemini leading into Apollo, culminating with his flight becoming the first man to land on the moon. And then you could wrap it up with Apollo 13, which is obviously focused on that one particular mission and what went wrong and how NASA and all the people that were involved in the space program help to turn a failure into a success. Uh, so I would recommend watching them in that order. You don't have to, uh, no particular reason, but I know some people may be interested in kind of going through the timeline of the space program and watching in that order would help you do that. So I'm really looking forward to reviewing Apollo 13, so I hope you enjoy this particular review. Apollo 13, uh, directed by Ron Howard, uh, was released in 1995. I remember seeing this film in the movies. Uh, I'll start by saying that I believe wholeheartedly that this film is, if not the best Ron Howard film. It's in my top two. I would put his top two movies, in my opinion, as this film and Parenthood. I know a lot of people talk about a lot of other his movies which are fantastic uh, like Cocoon and Splash, Night Shift, Beautiful Mind, Cinderella Man, all the movies he's directed. He's directed some great movies but Parenthood has always stood out to me and I'll probably review that on another podcast but that's a great movie and then this film is fantastic. I'll give you my Van Gogh review later uh, after I talk about the film but let's get into the movie. So Apollo 13 chronicles the Flight of the same name. So just to give you a little background uh, of the movie, it is set in 1970 and it follows the story of Jim Lovell, who was on Apollo 8 previously and had been in space three previous times to this mission. So the movie opens with a little narration from Walter Cronkite regarding the tragic deaths of Gus Grissom, Roger Chaffee, and Ed White. And if you've listened to the other two episodes of this series, you know that's dealt with in First Man and also alluded to in The Right Stuff. Obviously, Fred Ward plays Gus Grissom in The Right Stuff. And the beginning of Apollo 13 references this tragic event. And as the film opens, we cut to merely a few months later as Apollo 11 goes into space with Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins, and they land on the moon. And you see Jim Lovell having a party at his house with the other astronauts to watch the moon landing. So that's how the movie opens. And if you notice in Apollo 13, as you notice in the other two films, one there's a couple of themes that resonate. Uh, teamwork, the inherent danger, obviously, with Apollo 13 opening with the With the the death of Gus Grissom, or talking about that of the three astronauts. The inherent danger of space travel is at the forefront of all three of these movies that I reviewed. Some more than others. Uh, I think, as I stated previously, The Right Stuff kind of has it as a strain throughout. Uh, First Man talks about it a lot. And in Apollo 13, they talk about it as well. So as the movie progresses, you have Jim Lovell, played by Tom Hanks, being set to be the commander of... Apollo 14. And the movie, this particular movie also has a theme of, it, I don't know if superstition is the right word, but but of bad luck and things, basically the principle of everything that can go wrong does go wrong. And I'll talk more about it. I'm actually going to play two clips a little bit later uh, regarding that particular theme. But Jim Lovell's the commander of Apollo 14. So Apollo 13 is being commanded by Alan Shepard. And of course, he was one of the Mercury 7 as well, original Mercury 7, who's referencing the right stuff. But. In this movie, he is pulled from Apollo 13 because he has an inner ear issue that he's been dealing with for years and it flared up. So because of the flare up, that crew was moved down and Jim Lovell's Apollo 14 crew was moved up. So his crew is himself, Fred Hayes, played by Bill Paxton, and Ken Manley, played by Gary Sinise. So they are moved up to Apollo 13, of course. Jim Lovell is excited, uh, his wife, not so much. She's kind of, as the wives are in most of these movies, extremely worried, rightfully so, about the dangerous professions that their husbands undertake, so she is of course, happy for her husband, but of course, wants, just wants him to be home. Uh, there's a scene early in the film where she talks to him about not going to the launch, and uh, he's uh, you can see that uh, Jim Lovell's very upset about it, uh, but she ultimately ends up going to the launch. But he has moved up to Apollo 13, so they start to prep for the mission. They only have six months to do it, uh, so that's kind of a condensed timeline, but still doable. So as they progress in the testing... The first of many unfortunate situations take place to say the least so ken mattingly uh is affected first so what happens is as a part of every flight there's blood test and health you got to check the health that's why alan Shepard was pulled from apollo 13 so they do blood test and they find out that ken mattingly has never been exposed to the measles and there's a possible exposure to it that he's been exposed and since he's never had it that means that there's a chance that he may flare up with it while they're in space, which is, of course, unacceptable. So Jim Lovell is forced to deliver the news to Ken Manley that he is being pulled off of Apollo 13. Now, Jim Lovell fights to keep Ken Manley on. He uh, basically says it's nonsense, but basically, the flight director tells him in no uncertain terms either you pull Ken or you guys get moved to another mission. So he has to deliver that news to Ken Manley, of course, who is uh, devastated by it. And he is replaced by Jack Swigert, who was played by Kevin Bacon. Uh, In the movie, he's portrayed as kind of like a playboy. He's a single guy, you know, has many ladies and a younger guy. So he is picked to replace Ken Manley as a pilot for Apollo 13. So you see a, a kind of a montage of the simulations where he goes on and he's uncomfortable, it's not as easy, that doesn't flow right. So that's a theme through the preparation for the mission and once they take off into space uh you can see that kind of tension there it's almost uh well not almost it's portrayed as basically haze and Lovell together with swagger kind of on the outside looking in uh as the third wheel almost if you will uh, and that kind of plays out as they get into space so they launch have a successful launch they get into space uh they leave the earth's orbit so as they are in space they are order to do what's called a burn and, uh, or excuse me, a stirring of the tank. So they have Jack stir the tanks. He does as he's instructed as he's stirring the oxygen tanks. There's a loud bang and an explosion where you get the famous line of John, of Tom Hanks saying, Houston, we have a problem. So they don't know what's going on. So obviously there's an explosion and Lovell starts to see a mist coming out of the capsule into space. So, obviously, it looks like something very catastrophic. So, immediately, the mission changes. So, you have Gene Kranz, the leader of Mission Control, who's played in wonderfully in this movie by Ed Harris, focusing the team and letting them know that, obviously, this is no longer a moon mission. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a step that needs to be taken. As you see the movie, you'll see uh, there's a definitive moment, a uh, pretty dramatic moment in the film. Uh, there's an action that they have to take on the module that basically rules out them landing on the moon. So once that order is given and Lovell executes that order, uh, he says the line audibly in the film, we just lost the moon. Uh, so now it's become a rescue mission to get these astronauts back. And the bulk of the film after that is and is a tribute to, I think, the men and women of NASA, the thousands of people, thousands of smart people that it takes uh, to get this mission accomplished. And you see the myriad of problems that they have, to try to figure out how to get these astronauts home safely so one of the first things they encounter is since this happens early in the mission how do they get them back there's a great scene where they debate whether they either turn them around immediately and have them come back to the earth or the idea that's ultimately selected is slingshotting around the moon and coming back that way and they decide on the latter uh, as a safer way to get them back so as they do that, they approach the moon and then you'll start to see some of the tensions inside the capsule between Swigert and specifically Swigert and Hayes. Uh, Lovell is kind of the level-headed commander of the, of the ship. And obviously the, the tension bubbles over. There's a scene that it bubbles over where kind of the unspoken did Swigert cause the explosion and Swigert defending himself, basically saying, I was just doing what I was told. And obviously as they get tired and the mission goes on and on. Uh, the tensions flare, and it does a great job of of providing that. But I'm going to go ahead and play two scenes that I think kind of encapsulate the movie for me. And it's not, ironically, scenes of stars of the film, you know, the three astronauts. It's really two scenes regarding the myriad of problems that they have. So in this first scene I'm going to play, you're going to hear them trying to solve a problem Regarding carbon dioxide. So, as the astronauts are in space day by day, the problem is since they're not landing on the moon, you've got three astronauts, of course, exhaling carbon dioxide. And obviously, as most people know, if you have too much carbon dioxide in a closed-in space, uh, you basically poison yourself and you die. So, they start to notice um, at Houston, at Missing Control, that the carbon dioxide levels are rising in the capsule. Now there's a problem with the filters not fitting where they're supposed to fit. So I'm gonna play this scene uh, from Apollo 13 uh, talking about that particular problem. So one of the hundreds of problems they end up having. Gene, we have a situation brewing with the carbon dioxide. We had a CO2 filter problem on the lunar module. Five filters on the limb, which were meant for two guys for a day and a half. So I told the doctor they are already up to eight on the gauges. Anything over 15, and you get impaired judgment, blackouts, the beginnings of brain asphyxia. What about the scrubbers on the command module? They take square cartridges. And the ones on the limb are round. <laughs> Tell me this isn't a government operation. This just isn't a contingency we've remotely looked at. Those CO2 levels are going to be getting toxic. Well, I suggest you gentlemen invent a way to put a square peg in a round hole. Okay, people, listen up. People upstairs handed us this one, and we gotta come through. We gotta find a way to make this fit into the hole for this, using nothing but that. Let's get it organized. Okay, okay, let's build a filter. Better get some coffee going, too, someone. So I played that first clip, and I'm going to play the second clip shortly, but the theme that I get that I think the movie does a great job in showing is kind of the pragmatic nature of what mission control and the people at NASA do. You can see they care about the astronauts. It's one big family, but when emergency and crisis present itself, they are calm, cool, and collected. And they look at the task at hand and figure out a way to solve sometimes unsolvable problems. So that scene I think illustrates literally they had to make a square peg fit in a round hole with only the items that were up in the module. So I love that particular scene. It's a minute long, but I think it encapsulates a lot of what the film tries to shed light on as it relates to the space program, and the teamwork that it takes to execute these missions, get these astronauts where they're going, and get them back home safely. So I lo- I've love. i always loved that scene. Every time I see that movie, it, it always uh, makes me smile. First, you get Ed Harris's fantastic performance as Gene Kranz at the opening of that sequence that I just played, where he basically, again, a pragmatic leader of, of, of a group of smart people saying, figure it out. Figure it out quickly and get me the answers quickly. And of course he has the famous line, uh, failure is not an option. We're going to execute our mission even if the mission completely changes from what it's supposed to be to something that we had no contingency planned for. So I think that scene is a great one. The second scene I'm going to play again is going to fit into that theme. In this particular scene, the issue becomes how are they going to get the astronauts back home after they slingshot around the moon. So they've gotten to a point where they've gotten them around the moon and now the issue becomes getting them all the way back so they can perform re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere and hopefully get back to Earth safely. There's a conversation that happens. Again, Ed Harris is in the lead of it, playing Gene Kranz, and one person in the room figures out that the issue and the all-important aspect of this mission and the only way this mission is going to succeed is Through the conservation of the power that they have up there. They have a limited supply of power and This gentleman comes to the realization that power is everything if they don't have it by the time they get to the atmosphere Then this mission fails. So I'm gonna go ahead and play that scene So you're telling me you can only give our guys 45 hours it brings them to about there. Gentlemen, that's not acceptable. Gene, Gene. We gotta talk about the power here. Whoa, whoa, guys. Power is everything. I, power is everything. What do you mean? Without it, they don't talk to us. They don't correct their trajectory. They don't turn the heat shield around. I, we gotta turn everything off. Now. They're not going to make it to re-entry. What do you mean, everything? With everything on, the Lem draws 60 amps. At that rate, in 16 hours, the batteries are dead, not 45. And so is the crew. We got to get them down to 12 amps. Oh. Well, how many? You, you can't run a vacuum cleaner on 12 amps, John. You have to turn radio. off the radars, cabin heater, instrument displays, the guidance computer, the whole smack. Whoa, guidance yeah. computer. Well, what if they need to do another burn? Gene, they won't even know which way they're pointed. The more time we talk down here, the more juice they waste up there. I've been looking at the data for the past hour. That's the deal? That's the deal. <sighs> okay, John. When minute we finish the burn, we'll power down the limb. All right. So again, that scene, to me, as I stated previously, really brings the theme home about the myriad of problems. So if you've seen Apollo 13 or you're going to watch it, you're going to see I basically just played two of several problems that they run into that could potentially doom this mission and their return back home. Those are just two of my favorite scenes. But Apollo 13 as a movie itself, to me, is fantastic. So as far as the cinematic quality of the movie, the direction by Ron Howard is, is like I said, fantastic. I do believe this is probably, if not his second best film, definitely could be either his uh, second or first best film, in my opinion. It's one of my favorite Ron Howard films, one of my favorite movies period of the 90s. The performances uh, are really good. The three leads, of course, uh, Bill Paxton, Tom Hanks, and Kevin Bacon are great, but uh, two other performances that are fantastic are Gary Sinise Ken Mattingly, and really, Ed Harris as Gene Kranz is fantastic in the movie as well. If I recall correctly, I believe he did receive an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor for that role, and deservedly so. He's fantastic in the movie. He's one of the highlights of the film. The film runs two hours and 20 minutes, so a longer film, but doesn't feel it at all. Kind of like The Right Stuff. The Right Stuff clocks in at three hours and it doesn't feel like it at all. It's an entertaining, really well-written film, and I could say the same about Apollo 13. Uh, It doesn't feel two hours and 20 minutes at all from the minute the movie starts. To me, there's no lulls in the movie at all. The movie is paced beautifully. Uh, The inherent excitement of what's going on obviously plays out on screen. I remember when the movie was released in 1995. uh, I, I am not a NASA or space program expert, but I definitely did follow the history of the space program as a lot of people did. And, you know, obviously, you know, Apollo 11 landed on the moon. Uh, You knew about Gemini and Mercury. I kind of knew about them a little bit, definitely not an expert on it. And the thing that when I heard about the movie, I actually read the book that the movie was based on, Uh, Lost Moon by Jim Lovell when I heard that they were making a movie about Apollo 13, because I think I was one year old when this happened. And the thing that I found fascinating was when the movie was announced and the story was told, the plot was released, I was like, how come I've never heard of Apollo 13 and what happened? You didn't learn about it in school. I didn't even know about Apollo 13. Now, like I said, I wasn't an expert on space travel, so I didn't realize uh, that it went up to Apollo 14 before they stopped the mission. The missions to the moon due to budget cuts but it's crazy that this particular incident is something that I never learned of I even asked my mom about it who obviously would have remembered the moon landings and I said do you remember Apollo 13 do you remember what happened and it was funny because when I first mentioned it to her she did not remember and then when I told her what the plot of the movie was going to be she's like oh it kind of came back to her that she vaguely remembered what happened. And I found it interesting because another aspect of this movie, of Apollo 13 specifically, that is is highlighted is kind of America's ho hum attitude about the space program. So remember, Apollo 11 landed Neil Armstrong on the moon, and kind of in its human nature, when you do something incredible for the first time, and the first time is always going to be the best time. And even though it's in- incredibly dangerous, anytime you put a man in space, let alone send him to the moon and back safely it became commonplace. There's another really good scene in the film where the there's always a television program that was broadcast live from space. So the astronauts would do like a little show Uh, where they would show the inside of the capsule and have kind of a little brief TV show. And all the networks, of course, with Apollo 11 and Apollo 12 will carry that live. In Apollo 13, there's a scene where Kathleen Quinlan, who plays uh, Jim Lovell's wife, goes to NASA to see the broadcast, and then she finds out that they're actually not even going to broadcast the show, that they maybe will play a a couple of minutes uh, of it on the nightly news. So, of course, uh, his wife is not thrilled at the fact that you know basically they've been shoved aside and then there's another great scene later in the film when the mission goes wrong and then all of a sudden all the media is parked on her or trying to park on her property and she basically says absolutely not nobody's interested in the moon now but now that everything has gone wrong all of a sudden everybody wants to talk to me or be interested and i've got nothing for them so there's a great scene where she kind of references that but i think that is a bigger issue with space travel. And also there's another scene early in the film where Tom Hanks is talking to politicians and this kind of echoes a scene uh, in First Man and actually echoes another scene in The Right Stuff. And it's a theme of, of the budgetary... The budgetary issues that nasa has in respect to the amounts of money being spent versus what you're getting for that money so that theme is basically tackled in three different ways in the three different movies so in this particular movie there's a scene early on where tom hanks is talking about the space program he's showing some people around in cape canaveral and a senator uh, played by actually by b movie director roger corman ask him the question should we even be doing this anymore what's the point we've already beaten the russians in the space race We're spending a lot of money just to send people in space when we've already done that. And of course, Jim Lovell answers uh, with a quote, if we stopped exploring after Columbus went to America, where would we be? Basically saying, it's not even about the Russians, it's about continuing to explore space and expanding our knowledge. So there's always that constant push and pull with NASA. And obviously in the current state of what's going on now, me living in Florida, obviously you see the SpaceX rockets going up. But when uh, the last generation... Of NASA specifically around the space shuttle program basically shut down. You know, a lot of people lost their jobs. And there's always that debate of whether space travel is a worthy use of taxpayer dollars. And I'm not here to have that debate or give my opinion on it per se. I just am interested that that issue is is prevalent in these three films and i think it's it's good that it is because it's it's an important topic to discuss and something that's going on even today even though the space program started over 50 years ago so i i am interested in that particular subject as well and that is tackled in apollo 13 but again as a film apollo 13 is exciting it's entertaining of the three films that I reviewed. This is probably the most crowd-pleasing film. Uh, and I mean that in a complimentary way. It's a entertaining film that even if it was fiction would be entertaining. But the fact that it's nonfiction, I think makes it even more gripping. Uh, the fact that that all these things that happened are, are based on true events. I think as far as crowd-pleasing, I think I would follow Apollo 13, then First Man. And or excuse me, not First Man, The Right Stuff, and then First Man in that order. And that's not to say that First Man is not a fantastic film uh, because it is. I think it's very good. Uh, like I said, I was, I'm was i still surprised at how little recognition it received at the Academy Awards. It was one of the best films of last year, uh, but I don't love it as much as I love the, the right stuff and especially Apollo 13. I think of the three movies, Apollo 13 is my favorite. I think it is the most entertaining of the three with right stuff a close second, but I really, really love Apollo 13. I've probably seen the movie 15 times or more. I mean, I own the film. So to me, its if I own it, that's a movie that I'm willing to watch. Over and over and over again. So definitely, of the three of these movies that I reviewed, this is definitely my favorite. But I gave, you know, First Man four Van Goghs. I gave The Right Stuff four and a half Van Goghs. So for Apollo 13, as this is my favorite uh, of the three movies that I've seen, uh, this is also going to be in the short history of this podcast, my first five Van Gogh review. So I'm giving Apollo 13 five van gogh's out of five so for me that means this movie is one of my all-time favorites which it is uh five van gogh makes makes it an all-time favorite movie of mine and also a movie that i believe you can watch over and over again and still be entertained like i said i just recently watched it again for this podcast And the movie holds up. I love it as much as I did the first time I saw it, as much as the 10th time I saw it. So, to me, Apollo 13 is one of the best movies made about the space program. But again, I hope you listen to all three parts of this podcast, of this series of movies in space, because the first, or excuse me, First Man and The Right Stuff are both great movies. All three of these movies, as a package deal, I think it's fantastic. I would highly recommend owning all three of them. It's a good, entertaining, few hours of movie watching and it really captures an important part of American history no matter your opinion about the space program or what money is spent on it or about NASA you can't help but feel kind of a patriotic tinge when you watch these movies and and you know the history of John Kennedy promising to put a man on the moon before the end of the decade and us actually pulling that off especially when we kind of started from behind In the space race, where Russia took the early lead, and obviously the backdrop of the Cold War starting the space uh, race—if it started maybe in a different time, maybe we're not as aggressive as we were back then. It's just when things a perfect storm of events happen in history, things are created. And I love all three movies' view of the space program, the astronauts, the people behind the scenes, and Apollo 13 as well. Really demonstrates that you've got the people that built the rockets, the people at mission control, the astronauts, all working as one team for a common goal. And in the case of Apollo 13, the mission became a rescue mission and completely upended what they were trained to do, but they were trained to handle danger. And you had a lot of smart people coming up with ways to get these men home. And that's the inherent drama in Apollo 13. And it's fantastically presented by Ron Howard, really showing what the space program is about and really showing that from a failure became one of the proudest and finest moments in the history of NASA to bring these men home after a disaster happened and could have been really a lot worse had these three men not made it back. And with the backdrop of the theme that I've brought up in the other movies, especially in The Right Stuff, and even through First Man, of the extreme danger that these these astronauts volunteer to put themselves through, and the astronauts that have lost their lives, whether it was Gus Grissom, whether it was test pilots before Mercury 7 whether it was the two explosions of the space shuttles where astronauts were lost uh, the danger is there and the danger has been throughout the space program and unfortunately that's happened in the last 15 years so it's uh it's a inherently dangerous proposition even in 2019 and if there's a space program in the future if they go back up to the moon you know I hope everybody remembers and I think these movies are good reminders that flying a rocket into the moon into space or to the moon or to anywhere is not a run-of-the-mill everyday normal thing. It's a stupendously dangerous operation and a miracle of science that these smart people have come up with ways to do this. So I love the theme of that in those movies. So again, I'm giving Apollo 13 five Van Goghs. Uh, I highly recommend anyone that hasn't seen it, definitely watch it. And if you have seen it, of course, watch it again. I think you'll love it just as much as you did when you watched it the first or second or fifth time in my case. So again, Apollo 13, five Van Goghs. And I hope you enjoyed this series of movies in space. I think I'm going to do more of these with particular theme movies as I find them in the future. As I stated, this one was inspired by my review of First Man. My original intention was to only review that movie and just kind of move on. But as I was watching First Man, it really reminded me of both The Right Stuff and Apollo 13. So I'm glad I was able to incorporate those other two movies back in there and uh, review all three for you. So again, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed the review. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on any of the following podcasting apps. Apple Podcast. Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or CastBox. You can subscribe to the show's YouTube channel under Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. Follow the show on Twitter. The handle is at bendyourearpod. Uh, that is also the handle for Instagram. If you have any questions or comments, you can email the show. The email address is bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. If you listen to the show on a different platform but have iTunes, please rate and review the show there. This will help raise the profile of the show in search results. If you think a friend would enjoy this podcast, please share it on your social media. Again, thank you for listening and take care.